wife said it was Sister Bonnie's daughter. And I said, how on earth did I call her? So I hung it up real fast because I wasn't trying to talk to her. But then three hours later, the granddaughter, the great-granddaughter, I should say, called Isabel and said, did somebody call me from this number? I said, well, it was an accident. I said, are you Sister Bonnie's great-granddaughter? She said, yes. Said I was, uh, I'm going to the, the service tonight. And I said, oh. Said, yeah, I go to school here at the ramp with Karen Wheaton down in uh, Hamilton, Alabama, where Larry Cook used to pastor years ago, and I preached there. And anyway, she's, she, uh, we just talked a minute and said, well, bless you, and hope you do good there. Well, then she texted me today. This was like, that was on Sunday or something. And uh, so... She texted me today and said, the revivals broke out here too. <laughs> so it's happening all over. And different schools, I think Zach was telling me, different colleges and schools are encountering a real move of the Holy Spirit. Well, we knew that was coming, didn't we? You know, can you go outside and tell whether it's going to rain or it's going to be sunny? I mean, the signs are there. We are aware and we are ready for a move of God. We really are. I appreciate that worship tonight. Always enjoy Randy. He's he flows and goes, you know. And I, I enjoy the presence of God when he leads. I enjoy it when the others lead. But you know, I think I just enjoy it all the time. Is what it amounts to. But uh, yeah, praise the Lord. Isn't God good? Well, let's read a couple of scriptures. We're on part 10. Aren't you glad that we're digging in and going past forgiveness? How many of you have been forgiven lately? Others. And you just got to move past it. You can't live there, even though it's good feeling to forgive other people, but you cannot live in the middle of that. And uh, we, we got to forgive and move along. You know, and let God work some more. And it makes others feel good when they know they're forgiven, especially if it's us forgiving them. You know, it's so cool, you know, moving in the Holy Spirit and getting words of knowledge. There's been times in the altar services where I've looked at somebody and said, you know God forgives you, don't you? And they just break down and cry, you know, because they just need somebody to tell them that. But then Jesus tells disciples, be filled with the Holy Spirit in the book of Luke at the end of it. And then he said, or he said, receive ye the Holy Spirit in the old King James. But then he said, and whoever you forgive, I forgive. So guess what? We're the physical representation of Christ Jesus, our Lord. We have that authority to say, you're forgiven. And people, that's why... Getting people to respond oftentimes to an altar call is effective because they need somebody to tell them, you're forgiven. And sometimes to embrace them with a hug or lay hands on them, pray for them, whatever. But they just need that. And uh, we're just enjoying this year already. And I do believe the evangelistic endeavors are going to really be powerful before the end of this year comes to a close that we're going to see a lot of people 
come to know the Lord. Uh, let's go ahead and read a couple of scriptures. First statement I want to give you is forgiveness has to become a lifestyle for healthy believers. It's got to be a lifestyle. You can't just forgive, well, I'm going to forgive them because they're nice. I'm going to forgive them because I only see them once a year, so no big deal. No, you got to forgive even when they irritate the fire out of you, you know, and keep forgiving. Peter said, what, seven times, Lord? Seventy times seven is what he told him. So, you know, it's, it's a big deal. It's a big process of forgiving people. And, uh, you know, anyway, Romans 8.28 is an awesome scripture. We've quoted it so many times. And we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. All things, bad, good, and ugly, pretty things, ugly things, they all work together for good if you let it. God can turn a bad situation around and make it a good situation in the long run. Sometimes we don't see it, but he can do it. And it gives us a testimony of his grace and mercy when it occurs. But uh, all things, there isn't anything that's too big for God. Let's go to Genesis 37 and verse 26 through 28. And we, I'll just read off the thing. So Judah said to his brothers, What profit is there if we kill our brother and conceal his blood? Come and let us sell him to the Ishmaelites. And let not our hand be upon him, for he is our brother and our flesh. And his brothers listened. Is that all three? Then Midianite traders passed by, so the brothers pulled Joseph up and lifted him out of the pit and sold him to the Ishmaelites for 20 shekels of silver. And they took Joseph to Egypt. You know what? He wasn't very valuable to them. I think that amounted to about 20 to $50, something like that. It wasn't very much. So... They didn't need to get much money. They just wanted to get rid of him. And how many of y'all know the story of Joseph? How he had these dreams and he told them to his father and it made him nervous because he said, well, I had this dream. The sun and the moon bowed down to me and there were 10 stars that bowed down to me also. And it represented the mama, the daddy, and the brothers. And they got angry. But then the father, since Joseph was a child of his older age, he was the only child with, Rebecca, with, uh, with Rachel. He had Leah. He was conned into that. He worked seven years. Jacob did and, and got Leah. Instead, you know, they always put a veil over their face. So he didn't know if that was the ugly sister or the pretty sister until he got in the tent and woke up in the morning. And then, oh my goodness. And the daddy came in and said, dun, 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 I'm sorry. You got to work seven more years if you want the pretty one. And so 
Then he had to work seven more years. He worked 14 years to get the one that he really loved. Of course, they allowed you to be married to more than one woman in those days. I don't, they, they were really rich, though. They had a lot of cows and sheep and all that. So, But anyhow, Joseph came along at the end. Of course, we know the story, which I can tell you just a little bit, because they got jealous of Joseph because he had a coat of many colors. And Richard Jones, who is over there at that revival in Kentucky right now, when I was pastoring a home mission work in New Orleans in 1987, the fall of 87 into 88, he painted this for me as a gift. And I hope you can see it. I'll put it up here. Maybe you can see it better. But and they might even want to get it on the camera. Philip, you want this on the camera? You got it? Can y'all see what's all on this painting? It's a rope, and it looks like it's been cut, and it's down to its final strand. And you see here, the light is all around that. You know, if you call out to Jesus, his light comes because his love comes with him. Love is faster than light. The speed of light, I think, is faster than the speed of sound. And you can break the sound barrier if you're in a jet plane going fast enough. Kaboom! You know, to make a big boom sound. And uh, But love is even stronger and faster than light, Danielle. And when you call out to Jesus, he, he'll be there. I mean, look at his foot. And here is a dove representing the Holy Spirit. You know the Holy Spirit? You know how Jesus can never leave you nor forsake you? By his Holy Spirit. Jesus is at the right hand of the Father, but he's here by his Spirit. And if he didn't ascend, the Holy Ghost wouldn't descend. The Holy Spirit had times where he would come and interact and with people like David and Samuel and different ones had these extremely great anointings on their lives to do things. Abraham and different ones. You know, Moses, the Holy Ghost spoke to him out of a burning bush that wouldn't burn up. And so the Holy Spirit, he would interact and there would be markings of the Holy Ghost on people's lives, but not a regular move of the Spirit like we can have today because Jesus made a way for us to be able to have the Holy Spirit with us all the time. And then you see the hand and you see the nail scar of Jesus. He's going to reach in there and grab that rope because he's going to see it real good with the light from God's throne and the Holy Spirit hovering over it. Then you see this guy down here hanging on for dear life. Do you ever feel like you're just hanging on and the rope's about to break and you don't know how you're going to make it? But he's there. And you see, here's the many colors. I'm sure Joseph's coat had more colors all over it than this guy's tunic or robe. But it stands for the rainbow colors, the promises of God. And so, 
you know, Jesus, when you call out to him, he'll save you. Just in time. But Joseph, because he had no guile, he just tell you everything that the Holy Ghost would speak to him in his dreams. And his brothers were jealous because Daddy gave him a special coat of many colors. And they didn't like it. So they started talking amongst themselves. You ever have sibling rivalry? Some of you might have had several brothers and sisters growing up, but they're sibling rivalry. They don't like it if one gets favor over them. And I always had to be careful with my children. I had four. So, you know, if I tried to help one, then they might say, well, Zach always gets what he wants. Well, he was the firstborn. I just practiced a lot longer on him than I did the others. But I love the other ones just as much. And so you try to be fair. You try to help each one. And, you know, uh, being that we didn't have a lot of money, we had sufficiency to raise our kids. But I took out a parent plus loan for Zach to go over to Springfield. Now, this was a personal thing. You know. And he stayed a year. He hurt his ankle. Decided he wasn't going to play football anymore, so he came home. And he went to finished out with Three Rivers. He got a job there. Then he finished his four-year degree with Hannibal LaGrange. Is that right? Did I say that right, Zach? And he got his leadership, whatever degree, bachelor's, organizational management. You can tell he's more organized than I am. But anyway, he got his degree. And then Alicia wanted to go to Missouri State. Well, that second year, they decided we didn't make, we made too much money. But we didn't have enough money, but we made too much money together to get a Parent PLUS loan for her. So we didn't have the money for her, her to go to Missouri State. We weren't poor enough for her to get extra grants like some kids get, like I did when I went to school, you know. And so she was really disappointed. She felt bad because we couldn't treat her the same way we treated Zach. But once you do it, then that's a, that's a debt that you owe. And so it was difficult, and it hurt my heart that I couldn't help Alicia reach her, go where she wanted to go. But you know what? She's such a good girl. She took it on the chin, and she came home and finished her degree at Three Rivers and Hannibal LaGrange in criminal justice. And she got a job at the bank. See? God works is what I'm trying to show you. And while he was working in her, and she was willing to not be angry and bitter at me that we couldn't do the Parent PLUS loan, she served and sang on the worship team, came to church regular. She worked hard and went to school. She probably made almost an A average the whole time. She was a really smart girl. You know, I'm proud of all my kids in various ways, but, you know, I was so proud of Zach. He was such so outgoing and an athlete and all these cool things. And 
she leads worship and he could play all these instruments and Alicia sings, but you know, she made good grades. And her instructor, advisor, Sean Moore, a state highway patrolman, tried his best to talk her into joining the highway patrol as a woman. I mean, you've got to learn to shoot and everything when you're in criminal justice. And she graduated, and she was working at the bank already, so she just kept working at the bank, and they bumped her up. And she got a better position in the bank, working in the loan department for mortgages and such. And <coughs> then another bank recruited her and hired her out of the bank she was working for for a higher position, being over all the tellers and everything. You know, these kids are something, you know. She was only like 25 years old, 26 maybe. And then she met Sean, got married. She actually got married before she switched banks. And then she had Judah. She's a mother. She's a worshiper. She has a job. But then... One of her old bosses talked to her and found out all what she had learned, what she was doing at the new bank. And he said, you need to come and talk to me and the owner of the bank she used to work for. And they interviewed her, and then they offered her a better position. And they offered her a certain amount of money. She goes over and tells the bank she's working for how much money. <coughs> they say, we'll raise it so much. Here's a good amount, too. So she had to call them and say, well, I don't know. They're offering me more money if I stay. Well, then they got together and they decided, we're going to offer you more money than they are. We'll give you better vacation and better retirement benefits. So finally she took that job. And today she's a vice president, one of the vice presidents in the bank. She's going to be, uh, see, she turned 29 in December. She's going to have a second baby. Her husband's got a good job. They have a nice home. See, God causes all things to work together for good if you love him and you're called according to his purpose. Now, what is his purpose? Well, she's smart. She understands boundaries. She understands what's legal, what's not legal. She's She's something else, I'm telling you. She knows. And two, she's honest, faithful, loyal. So she's got promoted. Who knows how far that girl will go one day. But you see, Joseph, he had it pretty easy. And God doesn't always let you just have it easy. You know. So he had to go through some stuff. And his brothers got together and said, we don't want him around. He's not even, he's just our half-brother. We don't have the same mother. Of course, several of them didn't. Because he had two or three with concubines or whatever, workers that helped the other mother. So all kinds of stuff happened back in those Old Testament Bible days. I don't think I could handle that. I know my wife couldn't handle it either. But to make a long story short, they hated Joseph. 
So they were going to kill him, let an animal get him. Then they're going to take blood on his nice rainbow-colored robe back to daddy and show him, oh, you know, he got eaten by an animal. They had him in a pit. But one of the brothers steps in and says, no, let's not do that. Let's sell him as a slave on, uh, you know, to these traders. So they did. It's like 25 bucks. They didn't try to get much money. They just wanted him gone. And so we see some things here. And then in Psalm 105 and verse 17, let's look there. It says, he sent a man before them, Joseph, who was sold as a slave. They hurt his feet with fetters, and he was laid in irons. And he was chained up, see, until the time that his word came to pass. The word of the Lord tested him. Now, isn't that something? I haven't reached the finality of the word of the Lord in my life. So I'm still working at it. You get a vision for something. You get somebody gives you a word. Then you don't stop, Stephen, until God finishes that work in you, that word. And until it comes to pass. The word of the Lord will test you. I guess that's my next point. Huh? God will turn evil intentions into an avenue for blessing, not only for us, but for others close to us as we work through the process of forgiveness. Can you imagine what he felt about his brothers? Man, he got sold into slavery. The next thing you know, He's working for this guy and Potiphar, wasn't it? And Potiphar's house, and he rose up and he became like the second in command. He trusted him with everything, even the checkbook, pay the bills. But his, his boss might have been a little older man. He had a younger, I don't know how pretty she was, but she was probably a younger, good-looking woman, and she got frisky. She wanted him sexually, so she went after him. And he said, oh, no, 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 I, can't, I won't do this to my boss. He's been so kind to me. And he ran, but she grabbed his coat. Man, how many coats you got to have to get you in trouble? He had the coat of many colors, got him sold into slavery. Then they had the coat that allowed him to rule his master's house, and then that thing gets snatched away. And then Potiphar comes, and she, because she was mad at him because he wouldn't give in, she said, he tried to, you know, rape me. And see, I got his coat to show you. And he got mad and threw him in jail. And so he was in the dungeon. He was in chains. Sometimes the worst things happen, and all you're trying to do is do good. And you think, this is not fair. I'm a good guy. I work hard. I'm honest. I'm humble. I, I just want to do right by the Lord. But it was not a good situation. And so Joseph ended up down the dungeon. And he's there for a while. 
meets these guys in. He, he meets one that is a butler, and the other one was a cupbearer. One of them would test whatever the Pharaoh was going to drink to make sure nobody's trying to poison him, you know. And then the butler served, you know. And so it went on. And so we see in Genesis, I guess that's my next scripture, they tell me, 40:15. For indeed I was stolen away from the land of the Hebrews, and also I have done nothing here that they should put me in the dungeon. And then Isaiah 49, 15, Can a woman forget her nursing child and not have compassion on the son of her womb? Surely they may forget, and the Lord's word to you, yet I will not forget you. See, he knew exactly where Joseph was. He knew what he had promised Joseph, but he didn't stop bad things from coming across his path. That don't sound like a good God sometimes, does it? But he knew he was working something for good. And Joseph stayed faithful and honest and sincere. And he wasn't going to lie, cheat, or steal. And he was growing through his troubles. And so that next point is this. Self-pity will not get you out of the prison of the flesh. What did he say? Hey, I didn't deserve to be put here in this dungeon. Poor pitiful me. Well, you might have felt like you were gypped out of something. Maybe you got passed over for a raise and somebody else got one. Or somebody else got promoted and you didn't get promoted. And, and you're wondering, what is going on? This isn't right. This is not what I deserve. I'm one of the good guys. But we go on and we see, well, I got another point. God never forgets us or the promises he has made to us. He won't forget us and he won't forget what he has promised us. When I would talk to Brother Gorman or Brother Summerall, or Randy Lechner, or somebody, even Norm, you know, you tell them, boy, I don't know when this thing's going to happen that God wants to do altogether. And they'd say, and the older ones, Brother Gorman and Brother Summerall, say, they'd say, well, son, if God said it and showed you this, then it will come to pass. Stay faithful. Good advice. You stick with it. See, I have an abandoned ship. Zach may be the face of the ministry and preaching on Sundays, but I'm still working behind the scenes to see the vision come about. I'm still leading CFFI so that I can touch an, an extended areas of our ministry. But I sure am enjoying the ride. I sure am enjoying his preaching. And sometimes I, I'm not trying to be braggadocious, but I pat myself on the back and I say, good job, Daddy. <laughs> you raised a good son. He's doing a good job. I can't take the credit for everything. He had a good mama, too. And he went to classes. 
Genesis 41, 15 and 16 says, Pharaoh said to Joseph, I have had a dream, and there is no one who can interpret it, but I have heard it said of you that you can understand a dream to interpret it. See, those two guys forgot about him until the Pharaoh wanted to know who could interpret a dream. And one of them said, Oh, I was in jail with one, somebody, and he interpreted our dream. And so Joseph was there before the Pharaoh. Sometimes God will bring you to the front of the line. You think you're in obscurity in the dungeon, bound by chains and, and things around your ankles, shackles. But God says, no, it's time to come out. And he calls you out of the prison cell. He calls you out of the dungeon and brings you forward to where now what he's dug deep in you can help promote you. What you go through to the degree that you went through it is to the degree that you will rise above it. So just remember that. However hard things were is how you're going to grow to see the good happen. So it's a great thing. God, statement five, God digs deep in our souls to process our heart's issues. He digs in there because he knows what's in our heart. Sometimes it's not all good, and he digs through it and sifts through it and cleanses us and makes us into more of what he wants. You know, I remember going out for the basketball team in the eighth grade, seventh grade. I didn't make it. They had 100 kids out there at the junior high. They ran you up and down the court, let you shoot a few layups and all but they already kind of handpicked their boys. They didn't know I was any good or not. They hardly gave me a chance. And so I got cut. And that was painful because I thought I was a lot better than a lot of the ones that were on the team even. But 100, and they only kept like 15, so 85 of us went home after a couple of days of running. I remember I'd hurt my finger and broke this finger. And it was in a splint, all wrapped up with a deal. And I was right-handed. So I would go, there was a, a, a basketball goal set up on Tremont Street, down there where there's a little shopping center where the beehive is and all that now. There used to be a field. But right next to Tremont Street, one of the families there had put a post up with the backboard and a basketball goal. And I'd go over there, and sometimes nobody would be over there, and I would shoot. I used to also go to Bacon Park and play, but I would shoot and I'd dribble left-handed because I was in a sling with the thing around my neck. And I would shoot it up left-handed. So what I felt defeated me, because not only did I get cut, but I also broke my finger, actually the knuckle, so it was my hand. So I could not shoot with that right hand to get better that way. So the the adversity of having a broken bone in my strong hand forced me to learn to shoot left-handed. So I could shoot with either hand, I could dribble with either hand, and then I went out for the team in the ninth grade, and I made it, 
and I was the sixth man. That meant I was the first guy off the bench. And I was a good offensive player, so I'd score a bunch of points, and I'd go sit on the bench for a little while. And then this, my sophomore year, I started for the JV. Then they let me start on the JV again in my junior year and sit the bench varsity, and then I started my varsity, 12th grade year. But the point I'm making is the thing that I thought was going to keep me from ever getting to be on the team is the thing that propelled me to be a better player. So your adversity will bring you into strength instead of weakness. So it humbles you, but it strengthens you. He digs down deep inside of you to make you better. So Joseph had to forgive, but here we watch what happens in Genesis 42, 20 through 24, and bring your, and by this time, you know how the story went. Joseph, because he interpreted the dream correctly, Pharaoh said, I'm going to put you in charge. There's going to be seven years of famine or fruitfulness and then seven years of famine. So they built storehouse. He said, I'm going to put you in charge. I'm going to give you my ring and no one is over you but me. So you're like me to the people. He gave him full authority. And he did a great job. I mean, he built up the storehouses and then they entered into the famine. When they did, then this stuff began to hit out, extended into other lands. And so they came there looking for assistance. They didn't know Joseph was there. You're talking about a kid that was ruddy-faced and what, about 14 years old maybe, and then he was with Potiphar stole, uh, sold, and then Potiphar, and then the jail, and then s these years with Pharaoh. And he was probably like a 30-year-old man now, probably buff. He probably worked out every day on weights and ate good, and they took good care of him, and good-looking guy, and strong. They didn't recognize him, Stephen. They just saw this man that had authority, dressed good, in charge of the whole nation of Egypt. And they had food. They were smart enough to put food back. And so they came. And, of course, there's a lot more to it, you know, because he dealt with the brothers and asked them questions through a translator. They didn't recognize him. They didn't recognize his voice because he didn't speak in Hebrew to them. He spoke in the Egyptian language and then the translator would translate to them in Hebrew. It says then, the, what was, is this 20? Go back to 20. And bring your youngest brother to me because he asked about the family. There, Benjamin was born after he was sold into slavery. He was a child of his father's old age. And so he kept him at home when they went. Bring your youngest brother to me so your words will be verified and you shall not die. And they did so. Then they said to one another, We are truly guilty concerning our brother, for we saw the anguish of his soul when he pleaded with us, and we would not hear. Therefore this distress has come upon us. 
they're saying we remember what we did to Joseph and how he was hurting and he was crying out we didn't help him but we sold him into slavery and now this has come on us because of how we treated him and Reuben he was the oldest answered them saying did I not speak to you saying do not sin against the boy and you would not listen therefore behold his blood is now required of us they were all talking amongst each other they didn't realize Joseph could understand every word they were saying and he was kind of behind a veil but they did not know that Joseph understood them for he spoke to them through an interpreter and he turned himself away from them and wept then he returned to them again and talked with them through an interpreter <coughs> and he took Simeon from them and bound him before their eyes so he grabbed like the second or third oldest and had him tied up and bound him scared them now they knew they were really dealing with authority statement six God over time develops wisdom in us to help not only ourselves but also those who we love you know he's not just working something good for us but for those that we love that they don't know what God's doing but he's developing that wisdom in us. Genesis 42, 38 says, but he said, my son shall not go down with you. This is the daddy, because he said, go get your youngest son and bring him. But he kept Simeon. Shall not go down with you, for his brother is dead, and he is left alone. See, Benjamin was the son of Rachel also. That was Joseph's full brother. He didn't know him, had never seen him said if any calamity should befall him along the way in which you go then you would bring down my gray hair with sorrow to the grave daddy was saying you're going to kill me you take this boy and you don't bring him back you're going to kill me statement number seven God uses our circumstances to cause others to reconcile their own hearts See, when God's dealing with you and you're in a position of authority, now he's dealing with them. Now they're thinking, man, this is what God brought on us. we got to make sure we bring Benjamin back. If we don't bring him, Simeon's not going to make it. And we're not going to get any food much. And so we look at Genesis 45, 9-13. Hurry! Go up to my father and say to him, Thus says your son Joseph, God has made me Lord of all Egypt. Come down to me and do not tarry. You shall dwell in the land of Goshen, and you shall be near to me, you and your children, your children's children, your flocks, your herds, and all that you have. Now you've got to understand, when they brought Benjamin and he fed the brothers at a table and they didn't know who he was, he put like five times as much food and fruit and everything on Benjamin's tray. He just had overwhelming favor from Joseph. And then they put stuff in their backpacks and got them on their horses or camels or whatever. And they took off to go back. And they had Simeon. They were happy. But then they got stopped along the way. 
because he had snuck this gold object or cup or something in Benjamin's backpack. And when they stopped him and then they looked to it and the soldiers pulled out, there was the gold. Made it look like Benjamin had stolen it off the table. And Joseph was probably on a horse or in a chariot. He was looking on. And, oh, man, all those brothers, you know, scared to death. But then he started crying and weeping. And then he revealed himself. They were scared one moment, and then he said, there, he said, go down. And then I will provide for you lest your household and all that you have come to poverty for there are still five years of famine. See, that was nine years into the plan. Don't you know it takes time to work a plan? It takes time to go through the rough parts before you reach the promises of God. And then, behold your eyes and the eyes of my brother Benjamin see that is my mouth that speaks to you. So you shall tell my father of all my glory in Egypt and of all you have seen, and you shall hurry and bring my father down here. When Joseph's brothers, in this chapter 50, saw that their father was dead, they said, perhaps Joseph will hate us and actually repay us for all the evil which we did to him. See, this is after they came. They were blessed. They were taken care of. Joseph had provided for them. And it's kind of like as long as daddy's here, he's probably not going to touch us. But now we don't know. So they sent messengers to Joseph saying, before your father died, he commanded saying, they were trying to put a ruse over on him. Thus you shall say to Joseph, I beg you, please forgive the trespass of your brothers and their sin, for they did evil to you. Now please forgive the trespass of the servants of God of your father. And Joseph wept when they spoke to him. Then his brothers also went and fell down before his face, and they said, Behold, we are your servants. Joseph said to them, Do not be afraid, for am I in the place of God? But as for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good, in order to bring it about as it is this day to save many people alive. Now, therefore, do not be afraid, I will provide for you and your little ones. And he comforted them and spoke kindly to them. See, when you work past forgiveness, you understand and realize God's plan. Sometimes it doesn't appear to be very good. But when you come to a certain point, you realize God allowed this because it actually pushed me into a position where I could be a blessing to my family and I could save Israel. I mean, they hold Joseph in high regard. They took his bones out of Egypt when the children of Israel left. And he's buried in Israel. I think I went to the tomb, did you? Okay. I think I saw where his tomb was. Yeah. And uh, also they had a place for David too. Yeah. But you see, this is the summary. God's love works through our pain 
and suffering. That's what the love of God will do. It'll bring you through pain and suffering. Because of his love, you can endure as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. When you come through, don't be mad at your relatives and friends that you thought stabbed you in the back. Oh, man, I could be so disappointed in people sometimes. But you know what? I didn't keep my eyes on those people that disappeared sometimes, that they quit on us and they didn't stick with us. But we're here still, and we're still doing God's work. We're trying to do His will, and we're going to see it. And I, I tell you what, He'll give you what you need so you can keep going until you see the evidence of the fulfillment of the colors on your robe of blessing. And he will reach through when you think your rope's about to break and there's no tomorrow. And he grabs it. And the Holy Ghost is right there with it. Through the pain and suffering, you will arrive to the glory of God. It's great. Amen. I hope I was talking to somebody here tonight that needed to hear this. Stand up with me, would you? And those that watch over Facebook Live or YouTube, it's an awesome thing what God does. He'll bring you through the fire. He'll bring you through the flood. He'll put your feet on solid ground. And you're going to make it. Because God's got a plan. You just get a hold of that plan and then work it and see what God does. It'll be awesome, brother. Father, we love you. We thank you. You are an awesome God. And I thank you for ministering to our hearts tonight through the life of Joseph. He endured going through all those hard things so his family could be saved and the nation of Israel could be saved. And I ask you to lift them up, Lord. Lift us up as we go forward and see the glory of God manifested in our lives and in our ministries. In Jesus Christ's name, amen. Hallelujah. Thank you for coming.